0: Welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Zimmel, and we had a pretty easy show this week. We were going to talk a little men's basketball, their loss to Clemson, some red flags that I'm starting to see. Women's basketball continues to be on a roll. We are going to give them their flowers and, of course, Transfer Portal, Senior Bowl stuff. It was going to be a pretty light show, pretty easy show. And then Sonny Dykes decides to fire his defensive coordinator this weekend, and then he hires a new one on Monday. So that is what the show will be today. The front half will be defense, defense, defense. Why it matters, what we can expect going forward, what this means for the TCU Horn Frog football program, and Sunny Dykes. And then, of course, we'll talk basketball at the end of the podcast. But that is what we're doing today. That's the game plan. Before we get into any of it and all of it, we got to start by talking about subscribing, rating, reviewing to this podcast. Please and thank you. Right, it's the end of 2023. The best way to start 2024 is by hitting subscribe, giving us a little bit of a review, and then rating us. Maybe you love the podcast, give us five out of five. Maybe you hate the podcast. You know, I hope not. If you do, you can do that too. You can rate it that way. And then you can e- or tweet at me at Andrew underscore Zimbal on Twitter and tell me that you hate the podcast. You can always do that too. Uh, send the Apple review to Pete Mundo at HarlanCollegesports.com. That's Pete Mundo, M U N D O, at HarlanCollegesports.com. Send that review to him on Apple Podcast. He will send you a koozie back. You win a free koozie by sending a review. The sweetest part, it'll keep your hot cider warm during this holly jolly time of the year. All right. Out with the old, in with the new, as Joe Gillespie goes out as a defensive coordinator and comes in Andy Avalos. All right. This is huge for TCU. The hiring of a new defensive coordinator is is giant because what do we talk about all season? Everybody in unison, the defense. The defense was a major problem for this TCU team. A real big glaring issue when you look at the rest of the conference and you see that Texas was better on defense, Oklahoma is a good defensive team, and there's other defensive teams in the in the conference that played really well. Uh, TCU's defense, which was a staple during the Gary Patterson years, and then not so much towards the end, uh, really looked bad this year. And I said, the three three five works. Joe Gillespie is a defensive coordinator I thought was doing a lot of the right things. He just wasn't pulling the right strings with the right players. Because it wasn't so much that the scheme wasn't working, it was that the players weren't working. The tackling was atrocious throughout the season. The secondary was not that good throughout the season. There was a lot of bad, big, bad problems with this TCU defense. And Joe Gillespie, of course, will be the uh, sacrificial lamb. Now, if it was up to me, Ken will would be on the cutting block too. But he is not to this point. It looks like they're only going to get rid of one coordinator, and it's going to be him. So TC football, they part wage was Joe Gillespie after just two years as the DC. Horn Frogs will hire former Boise State head coach Andy Alvalos to fill the role, as first reported by our friend over at 24-7 Sports, uh, Jeremy Clark. Gillespie, he rides in Fort Worth, after serving as defense coordinator at Tulsa. And TCU's defense regressed this season. They finished 5-7, of course. They gave up over 400 yards per game, almost 29 points per game. And TCU was unable to replicate the success they had last year, due in part because standout cornerback uh, Tavarius Hodges-Tomlinson, as well as defensive end Dylan Horton and linebacker D. Winters, they all helped last year's 13-2 squad get a national championship performance. So like I said, not so much... The lack of scheme, the scheme wasn't the problem. It was the players in there, right? It's not so much the body of the car. The car is fine. The engine's wrong, right? That's what was wrong with this team this year defensively. So Joe Gillespie is gone. Uh, I have a strong suspicion he's going to end up on his feet somewhere. He's not a bad defensive coordinator. You just have to have a good recruiter that can put the pieces in that scheme. I would like to think that he's going to end up in a group of five team. I'd like to think that he's going to end up preferably outside the Big 12. But it wouldn't shock me if a team in the Big 12 decided to hire him after the success that TCU had two seasons ago. So, Alvalos, he comes in. He was named the Broncos head coach in 2021. He led Boise State to a 22-14 and 14 overall record, including a 10-win season in 2022, where he earned Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year. He led the Broncos to a Frisco Bowl victory over North Texas. You remember that? It was kind of like a big group of five game in the state. It's huge. I remember it very well. But what's interesting is he got fired this season uh, with a four and two Mountain West record. uh, And then the Boise State Broncos ended up winning (laughs) the conference championship under their new head coach, which would be Spencer Danielson. So. He was, prior to being the Boise State head coach, he was defensive coordinator inside linebackers coach at Oregon from 2019 to 2020. He spent two seasons at a D.C. with the Ducks, who won Pac-12 both those years. They won the Rose Bowl in 2019, then lost in the Fiesta Bowl to Iowa State in 2020. If you remember that game, Iowa State came in a lot more healthy than Oregon. It wasn't so much on the defense. I'm not going to put a lot of blame on uh, uh, Alvalos. So he comes in as a new D.C. where does this mean what does this mean for the 335 and was it the players or the scheme well I've already kind of given you a hint how I'm feeling about this it was the players the defense this season had an allergic reaction to tackling they could not wrap up they could not form tackle correctly it was emblematic of college football about five years ago six years ago there was a big problem in the big 12 but also across the, the country. When it came to high school kids not knowing how to tackle correctly, uh, you talked about it in the NFL. There's NFL coaches, specialty coaches, saying that we're having to essentially reteach some of these guys how to tackle correctly, how to form tackle at this next level. And It felt like TCU's recruiting strategy this year was to get a bunch of athletes, which not a bad it's recruiting strategy defensively. You want to get guys that can fly around the field, but none of those guys could tackle. None of those guys could wrap up. None of those guys could form tackle, and it showed. Colorado game to start the season all the way to Oklahoma to end the season, and it didn't get much better. And, of course, when you're having a trouble tackling, it leads to uh, the secondary kind of getting exposed. When you can't stop the run game, they're going to just keep running it down your throat. And when you do bring guys up to try to defend the run – you leave your corners down on islands, and in the Big 12, there's too many great wide receiver threats. There's too many incredible athletes on the outside to just say, we're done, we're washing our hands of it, we'll let our guys go one-on-one. There's a bunch of really good corners, really good safeties on this TCU team. They didn't really get to show out this year because of how poorly the run defense was. I said, is this a product of the three three five? I don't think it is because you can make it work. We've seen it happen. We've seen TCU use the three three five against teams that run the ball really well. Last year, in twenty twenty two, they did a really good job against Kansas State. It was the hiring of Andy Avalos. Where where do we think? What do we think he's going to do? What are the reports pointing to? Well, we can only look at history, right? We don't know what he's going to do. We haven't got a chance to talk to him again. We're recording this podcast when Monday afternoon. Um, he ran a three three five nickel based defensive alignment while at Oregon which is similar to the scheme that TCU employed the past two seasons, uh, although with only one like linebacker deployed as a dedicated edge rusher, but was often praised with the ability to adapt the scheme to counter opponent strengths while deploying multiple defensive looks. Okay, so when he was at Oregon, he could throw different things out. The base defense was 3-3-5, but he also had a 4-2-5 and also a five-man front when the situation called for it. What we like to see. While well, the head coach of Boise, his defense was more often set with four down linemen while also leading the defense at Oregon. So expect a variety of looks. So, all of that to say, expect multiple fronts. I would imagine a 3 4 defense or a 4 3 defense correction would be in the realm of possibility next year. The 3 3 5 might go the way of the dodo, but I liked it. I thought it was a very unique look, and I thought a lot of teams were kind of surprised when they saw it. Now, two years under the belt, that could be part of it, right? When teams get good film on you, when coaches have an entire off-season game plan for your defense, maybe that's how it gets exposed. Two years, though, for Joe Gillespie, I agree with where this program wants to be, with what Sonny Dyke said at the end of the season in his end-of-year press conference, that this is a team that's competing for national championships and Big 12 titles. They're not competing for, uh, you know, Beefo Brady Bowls. They're not competing for third place, fourth place in the Big 12. This is a team and a program that wants to continue to sit atop the conference, to sit top college football. And there's something to be said for, look, the ripples of last year's national championship, we're already seeing them into this year. Florida State fans will be the first to tell you that the reason they didn't get in the playoffs was because of how poorly TCU performed in the national championship. Forget about beating Michigan. The national championship is a stain that's going to sit on this program, a stink that's just going to like, kind of hang around with them until they have another chance to prove themselves. Next year, we go to 12 teams, which will most likely mean the winner of the Big 12 will get an automatic bid into the playoffs. Now, that's not to say they're going to get a top-four seed. But that's to mean that they're going to get a chance to play in the playoffs. You look at the way the conference looks. You look at how it shook out the end of this year. Oklahoma State loses their quarterback. Gunnar Gundy is leaving. I don't know if he was going to be the starting quarterback next year, but he's going to be a piece that they don't have in 2024 that they had in 2023. Texas Tech has some decisions to make at the quarterback position. TCU, to be fair, has quarterback question marks as well. But the entire conference is very winnable. Colorado comes in. Arizona State comes in. Arizona comes in. Those are going to be tough teams, of course. But in 2024, it's a winnable conference. So I think Sonny Dykes, if I was going to get into his ear, get in between his ears, and try to think how he thinks, he might look at TCU and say the window for us to compete for a national championship is right now. Now, with all of that being said, I want to wrap up college football on this note because the Twitter sphere was talking, we got 12 teams next year. The conversation immediately went because people cannot understand that we have a good thing; they want to try to add to it, right? You get a you get a, a, a Sunday. All of a sudden, people are asking for sprinkles. So somebody brought up the graphic of the top twenty-four. Like we want a twenty-four team playoff, like the FCS has. I don't know if it'll ever get to that point, but if it does, the sport's ruined. It's a terrible idea. Twenty-four team playoff adds four extra games. For the national champion, if you're the one seed, you're out. You're having to play four extra games. If you're a five seed, you're having to play five extra games. And if we keep the schedule the way it is currently, you're looking at a 17 game schedule. That is a bad idea for the health of these kids, for the future of the sport. I don't think that that's a good idea at all. You shouldn't have more than what we have right now. In fact, I would argue that the 12 team playoff is four teams too many. An 18 playoff felt like the best option. But here we are. 12 teams next year. TC is trying to be one of those 12 teams. The reason that they get rid of their defensive coordinator is because Sonny Dykes and the rest of the athletic administration, they think that they have a chance to win the Big 12 next year. They think that they have a chance to win the playoff game next year and get back to the national championship. All right, switching gears here. Uh, TC women's basketball, they are hot, 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 hot. 10-0 to start the season after a... 85-41 85-41 win against Prairie View a and Sunday. Now, Prairie View a and 3-4 on the season after this loss. TCU really didn't have much of a, a fight in this game. They played a bunch of underclassmen. You want to re- mention some of those. Victoria Flores, she had a game high and a career high, 19 points with 25 minutes of action. Freshman tallied 8 points apiece in the f- second and fourth frames. Fellow underclassmen, Aliyah Robinson, she joined Flores in double digits, 14 and 10. For her first career, double-double. TC Women's Basketball, they didn't allow a three-pointer. First time since 2021, the defense shut out another team from behind the arc, which is saying something. Uh, TC breaks for a week for the final exams before hosting Lamar at 2 p.m. on the 17th. That's the Sunday in a continuation of the seven-game homestand they have to start this season. The Horned Frogs will match the longest winning streak in program history with a victory against... The Cardinals. So that's next week. If they win, they will match the longest winning streak in a program history. 10-0 teams in the Big 12 currently. Texas, Texas Tech, and your Horned Frogs. So are they playing the most impressive uh, teams? No. Texas knocked off UConn this past weekend. That doesn't really hold a candle to TCU knocking off Prairie View A&M. Okay. But still, getting these wins out of the way is important. For this program, a program last year that had single digit wins has a chance here already is in double digit wins, right? This is huge. This is ginormous. This is proof that TC Women's Basketball has turned a real corner. Now, am I saying that they're going to win the uh, conference championship? No, I'm not saying that. But do they have a chance here to win 15, 16, 20 games? It'd be huge. It'd be ginormous for the program. And I truly believe that they have a shot here. Now, how many games are they going to win in a row? You know, you look at the schedule here, and I, this winning streak might end in like two weeks. So you're looking at maybe 13 games, but we'll see what happens. Um, TC men's basketball. This is where we wanted to. This is where we can really get into uh, the the meat and potatoes of things. So they lose their first game this season, 74-66 to number 24 Clemson on Saturday in the Discount Tire Hall of Fame Series in Toronto. Ontario native Emmanuel Miller led the Frogs with scoring 16 points in his homecoming back to the Toronto area. Micah Peavy had 12 points to go along with eight rebounds and three steals. Jameer Nelson rounded out double figures with 10 points and three steals. Back and forth game saw nine lead changes. Horn Frogs returned to action Saturday against Arizona State, 9 p.m. at uh, in Fort Worth. TCU falls to 0-4 all-time against Clemson. So, Here's some good and bad from the game. This is uh, some stats that I thought were kind of interesting. So TCU forced 13 turnovers, and uh, Jameer Nelson leads the nation in steals with three and a half, or is fifth in the nation in steals, I should say, with three, three-ish uh, steals per game. So TCU's defense continues to play very well. They jump the lanes. They jump the passing lanes. Their half-court defense is pretty much right where it was last year. I think that they've done a pretty good job of doing exactly what they need to do in the defensive side of the court. None of these games have gotten out of hand. Is my point? Uh, losing to Clemson, top twenty-five team in the country. What does that say early in the season? I, I don't think a ton. Uh, the CC men's basketball team, I, like I said last week, it feels like they're a step ahead of where they were last year at this time. Where last year at this time, we were kind of still questioning, right? What are we expecting? You know, what are we? What are we? What are the goals? What are the the, the, the benchmarks for this team? Losing a close game to ten, Clemson. You know, moral victories don't exist, but if they did, this would be a win in that column. I feel like it's a solid moral victory for the team. Also, they're getting to the line well. They've gotten to the line 17 times. The 25 of 33 attempts uh, for TCU on a Saturday. They attempted 30 more free throws. This is the third time this season that they've been able to get that uh, that stat, which I thought was kind of impressive. And then, um, offensive rebounding. Jamie Dixon does a good job of coaching offensive rebounding. TCU ranks 101st offensive rebounding per game, grabbing about 12 per contest. Like previous years, offensive rebounding will be essential to the offensive identity of this team. This is a very much hard-nosed, ground-and-pound type of team because they can't shoot outside. (laughs) Every team in the country pretty much since 2015 has decided that outside shooting is vital to the success of their team. However, TCU is still playing basketball like it's 1993 instead of 2023 and uh, refusing to shoot outside or get better at shooting outside. TCU ranks 232nd out of 350 teams on three-point accuracy. Uh, TCU, they're efficient scorers. They're top 13 in the country for field goal percentage. They just can't shoot outside. You know, Inside the perimeter, out the rim, they're doing a good job. They rank 334th in three-point percentage shooting. So, remember, 351 teams get ranked 334th. So, very much in the bottom half, very much in the bottom third, very much in the bottom fourth. They're in, like, the bottom 5% of three-point shooting teams this season. Uh, That's awful. That is very bad. TCU brought uh, Trey Trentson, a career 38% shooter from behind the arc. Uh, Last year, he had a three-point shooting accuracy of 43.5%. This year, not quite, right? None of these guys are shooting very good. Also, playmaking. Because they can't shoot outside, they really can't uh, use Jameer Nelson Jr. the way that they wanted to use him, which would be to establish an offense. Right now, most of the assists are coming in the fast break. Which is fine, you know, they're able to get the ball to the guys going down the court. But in the half court, you'd like to be able to, to accumulate some assists. Maybe it's Clemson doing a pretty good job on defense, but this season has been evident that they cannot pass the ball very well. They can't get any assists. Uh, they only tallied 10 total assists against Clemson on Saturday. No Hornfrog Frog averages four more assists per game. Four average more than 1.9 assists per game. Again, not exactly uh, the best of stats when it comes to this team, and those are two huge red flags. Outside shooting and playmaking are two things that this des- this team desperately needs going forward. Mike Miles Jr. is not walking through that door. right? There's no game that Amin Al-Hassan, a, f- a person that we like over here on the show, uh, there's a- this game that he would play. It's the Rick Pitino game. Famously, Rick Pitino, coach of the Celtics, he said, Larry Bird's not walking through the door, but Kevin McHale's not walking through the door. Like Wells Jr.'s not walking through the door. There's no outside shooting coming. There's no help. There's no cavalry coming to this team. There's nobody that was a three-point shooting threat that's injured that's going to be coming back. So you got to find a way to get the playmaking and the three point shooting up, and then of course defensive rebounding. TCU dominated the offensive glass, got out rebounded by Clemson 30 to 23. Continued poor shooting will equate to more and more losses in the rebounding battle. So the more that they continue to struggle shooting the ball, the defensive rebounding has to uh, get better. Because if they doesn't, they're going to continue to lose games. Uh, Look, 7-1 and on the season, you cannot really complain all that much if you're a TCU fan. Men's basketball team has fluctuated from year in to year out. Jamie Dixon is not on the hot seat by any means. But after the season that they had last year with a nice little run in March Madness, nice little run in the Big 12 tournament, you'd like to think that they're going to continue to get better and better, and uh, maybe... You know, win another tournament game. We'll see if they can get it done. A uh, TCU football wrapping things up, and then we got Pro Frogs because I want to talk about Quinn uh, Johnston. TCU football senior day participants. It's going to be offensive lineman Brandon Cole, cornerback Josh Newton, and tight end Jared Wiley. They all accepted invitations to Reese's Senior Bowl, February 3rd in Mobile, Alabama. So Coleman started seven games at left tackle and four at left guard. Total of 32 knockdown blocks, averaging 87 grade and allowed one sack over 720 snaps. He was All-Big 12, an honorable mention for Offensive Lineman of the Year. The two-time All-Big 12 recipient, Newton, started 27 games for TCU over the past two years, recorded a team-best nine pass breakups to go with interception and 33 tackles this season. Pro Football Focus ranks him the fifth among NFL prospects at corner and 33rd overall as a prospect, which would equate to early day two pick. Now, will he go early day two, combine, senior day? There's a lot of different factors. Watching him this season, my favorite team, I would not want to draft in the first round. That's just me. I think there's some other better corners coming into this year's draft. However, he's easily a day two guy. So I'd love to see him in the second or third round. Uh, Wiley was first team all Big 12. Honorable mention, Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. This is a guy that's going to go in the first round. Team Best, 47 receptions, ranked fourth nationally among Power 5 tight ends, eight touchdown catches, also top TCU, tied for the National League among players at his position. He was also uh, the most by a Horn Frog since Jalen Reger had nine in 2018. There you go. Jalen Reger, not a thrilling NFL career. I thought he was going to be a lot better. That's just me, though. Pro Frogs, Queen Johnston. And I want to wrap up on this because I think it's a very interesting, uh, very interesting season for our guy. I thought he was going to be the breakout player. I, I truly believe that he would have a shot at offensive rookie of the year. Instead, he is constantly berated by Chargers fans. The six of them that are on Twitter, they all hate this guy. Uh it's been a year for him, clearly. He's averaged about two catches per game. And it's been nice to see him have a good game yesterday. So Justin Herbert goes out with a uh, finger broke. I think he has a broken finger on his throwing hand. Uh, He had three catches for 91 yards with Easton Stick that stepped in. Now, Easton Stick, I know him better than most people know him because he plays in North Dakota. played at North Dakota State. Uh, So a lot of people where I'm from care a lot about this guy. And I thought it was funny that everybody was finding out, Googling who the hell this kid was. That was kind of humorous. Quinston Johnston, he knew who he was because he played his best game of the year. Uh he has the high he had the highest catch rate since Detroit in November when he went four for four with four targets and four receptions. Chargers fans have not been happy with their 2023 1st round output. Uh it's kind of humorous that Herbert goes out and Johnston plays a pretty good game. Chargers right now 5-8 and eight and third in the AFC West, so it doesn't look like they're going to be making a playoff push anytime soon, especially if Herbert's hurt. So maybe this is where Johnston really opens up, and for you TCU fans who kept him on your fantasy teams this entire time, just hoping and praying that he would have a good season, this could be the time to uh, for him to have a good season. Less pressure. They're not going to go to the playoffs. Eason sticks in there. Yeah. I don't know why a first-round pick would have better chemistry with a backup than he would with a starting quarterback. And look, it's not the end of the world having a poor first year as a NFL wide receiver, but we look back to another TC receiver, like I said, Jalen Rager. thought he was going to have a great career in Philadelphia. Not the case, right? So you'd like to see Johnston play a little bit better these next couple weeks to wrap up the season for the Chargers and potentially maybe go out with a bang, you know, especially if Herbert's out, I'd like to see him have a 100-yard game at least once this season, 91 yards yesterday. So if you had him on your fantasy team, he's had one touchdown this season. So hopefully you started him that week. That is going to do it for the Hypnotoad podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your audio content, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Uh, Please subscribe, rate, review. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with more TCU Athletic content. We'll see you guys next week.